Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's vacation time. It is. And I'm excited. I think this is pretty rare. You and I usually aren't on vacation at the same time. No. Usually it's like one of us is working and we're trying to connect with the other one being out of town or whatever. But this time, the Whitfield family is headed to the lake. Yes. The Howe family is headed to the mountains. Yes. And we'll figure it out. We'll, there will we'll be, get on There will Zoom be some lakeage somewhere. at the mountains too, by the way. Oh, very good. Not, very not good. quite not quite the lake that you're going to be on. Uh, right. Or is right. more pondage, I guess you could I would, call it. Yeah, I would guess They call so. it a lake. Right. But, lake yeah. Norman's a little bigger. Yes. Yeah, Lake Norman's a little bigger than Lake Ridgecrest. Because Lake Ridgecrest yes. is like, you know, like three acres or something like that. So, right. Yeah. yeah Lake Norman's not, not a little exactly bigger, a, but not exactly Lake Norman. But this is a dream vacation for me. This is like, how, this how is like so? the vacation I've always wanted. So, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is replacing the Hawaii vacation you were supposed to be on. Right, right. We were going to visit our church planter friends there. Yes, replacing the Hawaii vacation. So, so this so, is the dream, not the Hawaii one. Well, I have to explain. So yeah, you're gonna it, have to. <laughs> so it's only it, I don't have to drive very far. It's only a couple hours, like two and a half hours, and because everything is closed, like even the the restaurants on the lake are all I've checked. They're all just still doing like pickup. North Carolina's still in phase two, so they're just doing masks required. By the way, right? Yeah, phase two and masks required in public. There's no like bowling alleys open, movie theaters, anything like that. So. This, we're going to just go get into the lake house. We've got, you know, kayaks. We'll go out on a boat, things like that. But there's nowhere to go. Like, we're not going to go do stuff. We don't have a schedule. And so I am taking so many books. And my dream has always been to have a vacation where I don't have anything to do and I just get to read. This is like, it's like an Amy Whitfield dream vacation. Well, I mean, you could do that. And other vacations, Amy. You no, but no then rules people want to go out. They want to go out and do stuff, and I need you know I have to be active and things like that. This is just like I'm just gonna just gonna read. Heaven just forbid read. you do stuff with your family on vacation. We're gonna you know we'll play games. <laughs> we'll play games. We'll cook. We'll be. But you don't. We don't go out. Okay, I got. You. I'm I an, got what I, you're saying. I know. What I'm you an mean. introvert who lo- I'm an introvert enneagram five who loves to read. That's okay. a dream vacation for me. Well, there you go. And I'm going to be with my family and we get to ride horses and throw oh, axes fun. and, and trap cool. shoot and archery and kayak and canoe and all that stuff. So that I'm looking forward great. to it. I'm going to give a full recap next week. We'll be coming to you live from Ridgecrest too, by the way. That needs to be your resource next week is your review of yeah. like family yeah. camp. So. Yeah. So, so we'll, we'll be still expected. be there at that point because we're, we're not leaving until the Monday after. So, all right. Well, hey, Amy, we got some news. We need to jump into it this week. We're recording late on Friday afternoon. This just dropped right before we got on the call here. Cedarville University has reinstated Dr. Thomas White as its president. You may remember he had been placed on administrative leave on May the 1st uh, following the controversial hiring and firing of a faculty member accused of sexual abuse. That faculty member was Anthony Moore, uh, and Moore had come to 
Cedarville University from the Village Church where he was fired for recording videos of another staff member as he showered. So uh, Moore had been at the school for about three years and was let go back in April. The trustees enlisted Hush Blackwell LLP to conduct an independent investigation into both the hiring of Anthony Moore and his conduct while he was employed at the school. According to a statement issued by the board, Hush Blackwell found no evidence that Moore engaged in any conduct of a sexual nature on campus or with any university student or employee elsewhere. The investigation included a thorough review of all relevant communication involving White and Moore, the trustees, the village church, and employment references. Hush Blackwell also concluded Moore was hired out of benevolent motivation, but White, quote, took steps that he knew or should have known clouded the specific nature end quote, of Moore's misconduct and subsequently failed to notify the board of the specific nature. White has since apologized for those mistakes, acknowledging his errors in judgment and oversight and has expressed remorse, according to the statement by the school. The board is requiring White to, quote, complete courses on victim prevention and victim advocacy and to lead the university to emphasize victim prevention, awareness, advocacy and other related areas. As a result of the reinstatement of Thomas White at Cedarville, both Danny Aiken, who's the president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and Mark Vrogop, the lead pastor of College Park Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, have resigned from the board. Dr. Aiken stating that, quote, the event surrounding the hiring of Moore and the five-year plan of his restoration was seriously flawed from the beginning and poorly implemented once he arrived at Cedarville, end quote. Aiken called the independent investigation, quote, extremely troubling and the reinstatement of White, a decision he could not support. So uh, a lot out of Cedarville this late afternoon. Uh, both trustees, at least two of those trustees, have resigned as a result of the reinstatement of Thomas White. Other trustees at Cedarville with Southern Baptist ties include Corey Abney, Jason Dusing, and Hayes Wicker. Probably uh, some names familiar to many Southern Baptists. Amy, to the executive committee where we have another statement unrelated to this, obviously. Yes. So there was a statement that was released after a conference call on Thursday, June 25th. And uh, so the officers of the executive committee convened and issued a public statement uh, today as we're recording this, which is Friday. They issued the, the public statement. This really is pointing back to some questions that had maybe been circulating in the public about the special called meeting on June 16th. And so that statement reads, the SBC Executive Committee held a conference call on Thursday, June 25th, as a result of public accusations against Chairman Mike Stone concerning alleged procedural and ethical improprieties relating to the election of officers during its meeting on Tuesday, June 16th. After a full discussion, the executive committee members determined by poll there was no impropriety of any kind in the recent nomination and election of the officers of the executive committee. The committee thanks Mike Stone for his exemplary servant leadership of the SBC executive committee during his entire tenure as chairman and for the manner in which he presided. Uh, so that is in the will be in the show notes that link also accompanying that are statements from Roland Slade the new executive committee chairman and the outgoing executive committee chairman Mike Stone and uh, so those kind of go with it you can see see those statements all together and that's just a follow up on the special called meeting of the executive committee all right thanks for that Amy down to Mississippi we've we've been talking a lot about confederate monuments we've and on this podcast, we've even covered the Confederate flag 
resolution that came back in 2016 up in St. Louis. Amy, we have a statement this week. Mississippi Baptists have come out and asked the legislature in Mississippi to remove the Confederate symbol from the state flag. Yeah, this is a bigger conversation that we're seeing take place in Mississippi. I've certainly been following some of the the news and, and things on social media about this. And it's this is a conversation that has come up before. Uh, and I think even maybe they've had some uh, referendum in the past, other other things. But this, it seems to be a little bit different. And so more voices have spoken up in this, really supporting a replacement of the state flag. Uh, and Mississippi Baptist Convention Board Executive Director and Treasurer Sean Parker is one of those voices. He said, Our position on this is motivated by our understanding of the teaching of Jesus Christ, referencing the golden rule, um, and just shared what that means, that they want to be a prophetic voice, that they hope that their stand and conviction will bring healing to the racial tensions in Mississippi, and said, we encourage our governor and state legislature to take the necessary steps to adopt a new flag for the state of Mississippi that represents the dignity of every Mississippian and promotes unity rather than division. And so this is, you know, this is a pretty big deal. Sean Parker read the statement, but it was also signed by Mississippi Baptist Convention President Ken Hester, by Jim Futrell, who's the Executive Director Treasurer Emeritus, Kenny Digby, Executive Director Treasurer of the Christian Action Commission, and all 15 members of the Mississippi Baptist Convention Board Executive Committee, and then all living former Mississippi Baptist Convention presidents. So it's pretty extensive statement of support, you know, by a number of people. There were four Mississippi Baptists who spoke at the press conference. Really strong statement from that state convention. Absolutely. Uh, good to see that the other day. I, it's something we, we kind of stumbled upon, didn't realize it was going on, and, and they broadcast the whole thing on Facebook. So if you want to see the full presentation and full statement from Sean Parker, you can go to the Mississippi Baptist Facebook page. That full video is available there for you to watch. Amy, we have some good news related to ethnic growth in the Southern Baptist Convention. The Convention Advancement Advisory Council met on June 24th, that was uh, Wednesday this week, and released a report, uh, the CAAC dashboard for 2020. So this dashboard takes stats that are available uh, last year. They've been compiling these and working through these. So this is 2018 data that we recorded in 2019 that we're releasing in 2020. So hopefully people follow that along. It just takes a while to collect the data, then to get the data sorted and then reported. So uh, 2018 data, but it showed, this is great news, Amy, that we have 22.3% of the 51,538 Southern Baptist congregations are minority ethnic fellowships. So uh, that, that's a big number. We've, we're seeing that grow. I mean, last time I think we heard it was somewhere around 20%. So that has increased. That's really great. Also saw that for all ethnic fellowships combined, the growth was up 1.02%, up from 8,608 to 8,696 churches. A small decline in congregations. So that's kind of a category thing from yeah. congregations would include maybe church type missions or church plants that are not yeah. completely well, independent I, yet. I think it would and, also include like if, if your church had a Hispanic version of it meeting, right? Uh, but it wasn't its own church, but it's its own right. like, congregation. 
That right. Kind of thing. So if you, yeah, so if you take the total of churches, congregations, all that, it's down just a little bit, um, down 0.15%. But that's really, you know, looks like it's kind of staying and holding. Um, African American churches are at 3,382, and that's up 1.23% from 3,341. Uh, Hispanic churches, 3,509 congregations, which is up 0.09% from 3,506. So, yeah, that's a little bit of a surprise there on the, the congregations, because if, if you look at the African-American congregations, 3,900 African-American congregations, 3,500 Hispanic congregations. So we've seen a lot of growth in recent years from Hispanic congregations. Yeah, and um, also Asian-American congregations is around 2,095. So that's up 1.06% from 2073. And also, I think when I'd spoken of African American, I don't want to, I'm moving categories. So in congregations, they were 3920, 3920. That was down just barely from 3929 from the time before. So this is the third year for it. It was conceptualized and designed by Ken Weathersby, and uh, they plan to continue the dashboard at least for the next five years just to keep sufficient information so they can analyze the trends as they go along. Uh, but we'll put it in the show notes because there's a lot more information than what we are are able to share here um, just because it would wear you out with all the numbers. But you can go and check that out and, and just get a, a kind of a picture of the diversity across the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah, and that's a great reminder of the work that our coworkers Julio Adiola, Willie McLaurin, and Peter Giannis are doing in their respective areas and uh, just doing a fantastic job. Enjoy working with them and how they're serving those churches within the Southern Baptist Convention. Amy, over in Texas this week, uh, Kenny Platt got a really bad phone call last Friday night. The church that he pastors, First Baptist Aspermont, which is kind of in North Texas, uh, Northwest Texas, was on fire. They lost their building last week. That's terrible. This was from Fallen Electrical Lines. Can you imagine? Yeah, That's had just a storm awful. come through, knocked over the electrical lines. They sparked a fire, caught the church building on fire, and the sanctuary, basically the main sanctuary, burnt down. So yes. just a horrible news. Good news, no one was injured. That's it's right. one in the morning. Nobody's there. But they also have a family life center, which while they're rebuilding and repairing the main sanctuary, they have a place to meet once they're able to meet again. So that's, that's a positive good. side. Yes. So, uh, you know, at least they have some facility left that it, it did not catch on to that building. They actually had somebody come in and push a wall over into the fire from the main sanctuary. I was reading in the article, uh, and that way it couldn't fall onto the family life center and catch that on fire. So they, they like knocked it down inside itself. So it would not catch the other building on fire. That's very good that it wasn't worse than it was, but I know that's really difficult for the church. Yes. So be praying for Kenny Platt and First Baptist Church, Aspermont, out there in Northwest Texas. Over to California, Amy, some good news for them. They've gotten a purchase agreement for Genesis Park for $1.5 million. Grace Point Fellowship Church of Berkeley, California, is going to buy it. Excellent. So good for Grace Point Fellowship Church. This came out, there was an action by the California Southern Baptist Convention Executive Board in May that they would sell the camp uh, because of deficit spending and then, you know, no revenue this year 
as far as the camping season because of the pandemic. And that's that happened really quick. They yeah. sold it fast. Yeah. So, I mean, they must have had, you know, got a jump on that. So, because we only talked about this just a few weeks ago, it seems. Right. Uh, I think while we were in quarantine, uh, I believe, maybe a little bit after that even. Uh, but this happened really quickly. So, uh, congratulations to the California Southern Baptist Convention for that purchase agreement for Genesis Park. So I know that's going to make a huge difference in their financials this year, as well as uh, congratulations to Grace Point Fellowship Church of Berkeley. you got a great retreat center now. Yeah, very cool. All right, that's going to do it for our news this week. Bring me to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. This one's a little surreal to me because I chose something that I actually remember. Um, and we're going to go back to 2001. Uh, to a release, a Baptist press release on June 25th from Southern Seminary, where at the time I was serving in uh, the Office of Academic Administration, and they announced their intention to offer internet courses for the first time that fall. And it's, first of all, it made me feel really old to realize that we live in this age where like online education is a complete given. I mean, everybody. <laughs> well, a couple of months ago, it was the only given. It was the right. only option. Right. So everybody's doing it. Literally right now, everybody's doing it. But even before that, everybody's doing it. And I actually was like in my first job when it was announced that they were going to offer internet courses for the first time. So it was the announcement that said, beginning this fall, students wishing to take classes from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary will be able to do so from their home computers. And it's crazy because I remember this. Uh, they could, they were going to start offering internet classes, all classes fully accredited with up to 30 hours counting toward an MDiv degree. So, you know, the, now you've got full degrees available online. Um, there's a quote there from Tom Rayner. Uh, who I worked with I at the guy. time, and then yeah, and then went on I was to work with, with later. Him the other day. Yeah, um, said internet classes are ideal for the person who cannot currently move to Southern's campus, but desires the same quality training offered by our professors. Um, and here's what's interesting, and I remember this. So it still didn't look like online education does today. It said students will receive a syllabus as well as a CD that will include a professor's lectures. Each professor will also have office hours specifically devoted to internet students. And another feature of the classes will be a chat room where students and the professor can have online discussions. So here's what I remember is with when that uh, program started and John Ewart, who is at Southeastern now. So we worked together in two places. John Ewart was uh, the one who really kicked that off the ground there at Southern. They had like closets and cabinets full of CDs because you couldn't just log on and watch something. I mean, you were dialing, you were using dial up at that time. And so you couldn't just watch lectures easily. So, so they would get mailed out. You would mail out the CDs and you'd watch the lecture and then you would go online to submit your work and to participate in the chat room. So, so Netflix Theological Seminary. Yes, like as in the original Netflix, yeah. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. the current Netflix model. So anyway, it was just really interesting. I was looking at recent you know, years in, in Baptist Press, and I saw that, and I thought, wow, I can't believe that that actually 
that that I, I remember this. But here we go. Um, we're talking online education all the time. And like you said, everyone's doing it right now. All six seminaries educating students all over the world. And it all started uh, this week in SBC history. So there's a phone number at the bottom of this article. And yeah. I'm tempted to call it and ask them for the information on the internet classes that are starting. You should. You should. I'm sure that that's the toll-free number, which I still remember. And um, I still Who's remember- Who's extension 4617? Any idea who that is? Well, I don't or know who, that who was? it is now. Yeah, I know who it was. Who was it? Well, it was John Ewart's office. Oh. And he had, um, D. Chung was his assistant back then, who was awesome. I loved her. Um, she was fun to work with. And uh, so I guess it went to her desk. So but... this is the special student status extension now. I just okay. looked it up on the website in the admissions office. Well, there you office. go. So, there you go. Well, I think it fits. So Yeah. That's neat. All right, so that's, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? Mine is going to come with a little warning. Something that's launching next week on Disney Plus, if you have it. But I want I to it. give a parental warning on this. We have, we have a story in Baptist Press about this, by the way. Yes, yes, we do. Um, so next week, starting July, 4, starting July 3rd, uh, Disney Plus is going to show Hamilton. It's going to have um, it's going to have the original Broadway production. Yeah, the original Broadway production with Lin Manuel Miranda, and uh, so it's um, the the Parents Television Council is urging them uh, to remove to remove a little bit of language that's in there. Um, they already have removed some so that they could get a PG-13 rating. Uh, the Parents Television Council, I think there's one more place, is asking them to to do that uh, fully. So I don't know if they will, will do that. So not knowing for sure, I want to make sure that that warning is there. Um, but I saw Hamilton in Durham a couple of years ago, and my goodness... The history, the writing of that is is just really unbelievable. And so I'm pretty pumped that that is going to be on Disney Plus next Friday. And I will, uh, I think, be watching it. Because as you know, July 4th is a pretty, pretty exciting day for me. Mm. And What are you going to do where, this year? You can't watch okay. a Capital 4th. Is it going to be a yes, repeat? Yes, I can. No, what they're going to do is, as I understand it, they're they're going to do a sort of internet version where people oh, are like okay. pre-taped gotcha. in different places. Like what we saw with the stuff back when the the quarantine started. I got right. you. And then as I understand it, they are still going to shoot off fireworks, but I don't really know how Washington, D.C. is going to handle that in terms of people on the mall. I have no idea, but I always watch it on TV anyway, and they're going to show those. So they're All still, right. but here's the deal. If they hadn't, I'd just be going back online on YouTube and finding one from another year because I cannot have a 4th of July without watching PBS, a capital 4th. Um, but, and I'm also going to be reading the Declaration of Independence out loud, which is what I do every year. You should put that on Facebook Live. 
Well, every year, a good friend of ours drops a SoundCloud version of it on Twitter. I'll, so I'll be if sure you to watch do that for too. it, if you watch for it, I'm sure it'll show up. Yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. All right. My resource of the week. And by the way, I'm, lo- I'm really looking forward to that. So uh, my resource of the week is a journal, uh, kind of a daily planner, the Full Focus Pocket Planner. So a new version, Michael Hyatt, many of you may uh, recognize the Full Focus Pocket Planner uh, is a just a smaller version of his Full Focus Planner that he's got. So uh, I saw that this week, picked up one, and because I'm a big fan of these, if you want to keep notes, paper notes, paper, you know, planner type thing, if you don't use the... You know, I, I use a kind of a paper version plus my online calendar because my assistant is virtual and she can't really write in my planner, you know, since she's not here right. and I'm here. So I, I use a digital calendar, but I like using the, the hard copy of the planner to take notes in and everything. So if you're into that kind of stuff and want to check out one, they've got a smaller version now of the the big one. Because I think the, the one before it was like a, a 90 day thing and it was it was a big yeah. book. And and this yes. one is a little bit smaller, like your moleskin size. So uh, check that out if you're interested in that kind of thing. So uh, you can take notes for Hamilton in that. So I'm really Absolutely. looking forward to that too, by the way. And you've only seen Hamilton once? Yes. it's huh. It was scheduled to come back to Durham this next year, but I'm not sure that it will because yeah. of current I've situation seen it twice. with the pandemic. So, Good for you. in Nashville and Chicago, and it was fantastic both times. Very cool. Well, I, so. I loved it. I was... That's so I'm a big fan before that Wicked had been kind of my favorite. And of course, I love, you know, Phantom of the Opera and Les Miserables mm-hmm. and a lot, a lot of others. But when I saw Hamilton, I was just enthralled with the writing. Just, yeah. so just good. couldn't get over how they how, how masterful Lin-Manuel Miranda was with storytelling. So yep. very cool. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show this week. We are on vacation next week, but we'll still have a show for you next Friday. So keep an eye out for that. We'll have a show for you. But Because we're, yeah. we're hardcore. We're dedicated. Yes. But we would like to uh, offer a humble request to all Southern Baptists out there to please <laughs> let it be a slow news week. Yeah. Because Don't make any news next week, please. We would love to have just a very quick show that says, hey, vacation is great. Here's a couple of things that happened. Have a good one, folks. Happy Fourth. That's that's my hope for next week's show. So everybody just stay low key. And when things blow up next week, I'm gonna get that little sound clip right there and play it for you right out the gate next week. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll right. be prepared. I'll okay. be prepared. All right, we'll see you next week. See you next week.